Good morning, everyone. I am so excited that, you know, I know it doesn't sound good, but that not, not everyone here makes it easier for me. So, <laughs> but um, there must be a reason that God placed, you know, on Pastor Jim and Pastor Brooke's heart for me to give my testimony because I never shared with them my testimony. And I have never really shared with anyone in terms of a big group what I've been through, what God has delivered me from. So he knows why every person is here. And I just want to give free reign to the spirit for how he want me to share my testimony and, you know, how he reach each person's heart. And so if I can say a quick prayer. Dear Lord, as I open my heart, God, for the things that I've gone through, the places that you've delivered me from, and speak through my mouth, I pray that by your spirit, God, you would use it, Father God, whether it's just for my church family to know me better as Bianca, to, Father God, speak to someone who's been through trauma in an early age of their lives or past history to just remind them that liberty is in Christ, God, and that you can deliver us and clean us up. Or maybe just someone, Father, who needs to be grateful for the things they didn't have to go through. Whatever your reason, we yield to you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. So... I want to start from childhood because that's when it really started. And just so you could get a bigger picture, um, Pastor Jim gave me 10 minutes. I'm trying my best to be in it. But <laughs> I want to be able to speak freely so I won't be looking at my phone all the time. Um, as you all know, we come from the Bahamas, New Providence, which is the main island or the capital, we call it, known more as Nassau. It's a beautiful place. It's the only place that you can see from space the beauty of the water in the entire world. Um, it's not the place it is now. It's very much more developed than when I was a child. Right now, we get like 6 million tourists a year from, I think, America only, just in our New Providence. So you can tell it's a beautiful place that people want to come to. When I was growing up, it was a lot more undeveloped land. Actually, my father and my mother moved me and my then only sibling to a place what I call the woods because, like, there was no generator, we only had kerosene lamps. He literally had to have a tractor come in and dig a well. There was nothing except for trees and bush. But he was the first one there out of everybody and so we got that experience. So um, my grandmother, who is the Christian that started everything, she had my grandfather as a husband but he was unsaved. They had about 18 children all together, so you can understand them. Quote me because sadly a lot of my aunts and uncles died after childbirth, um, polio and things like that, that we didn't have vaccines for back then. And um, one of my uncles in particular, he died from uh, metal poisoning. He was about seven and a nail, a rusty nail got into the bottom of his foot. And my grandmother, she worked two jobs then to take care of them, as well as my grandfather who did a lot of different jobs. So um, today I'll say I have about 11 aunts and uncles, so of course a lot of cousins. We grew up where every weekend we came out of our different houses and we would stay by my grandmother's and we call it camping inside because we would all be in her room, which was a big room. We would put the pillows, stack them up like this, put the blanket over it, talk about ghost stories and funny stuff. And so that was part of my childhood. That was where my childhood started out good. And, um, you know, we would do little mischievous things kids do when it's a bunch of them together, like throw the stray cat in the dog, in the neighbor's yard that had dogs. No worries, nothing happened to the stray cat. You know, it was more for the fun of seeing the stray cat jump up high and spring over the wall and stuff like that. We would go in the neighbor's pool when they weren't home or on vacation. So 
little mischief, mischievous things like that we would get into. But for the most part, we were good, good kids. Um, so my grandfather, who was very dear to my heart, he would always tell the girls that we are all his favorites. Um, he died when I was like almost nine. And um, at that time, I felt protected and safe and everything was going good for me as a child, as far as I understand child life. So, but after he died, um, it's like something opened um, in my family where you know, I didn't have the extra protection of a person. And um, you know, I was almost 10 and well, I told um, Chaplain Terry and some of the women who were here at Women's Ministry that night that I relay more to Magdalene, Mary Magdalene, not because I was in prostitution, not because um, anything like that, but because I was forced and I was, um, you know, I, I received trauma at a young age and I feel more like her. So when I was nine, you know, something bad happened to me and it happened for years and years later and I was, praying to God, and I believed in God, because we grew up, like I said, with my grandmother. And we, you know, know that God was real. Went to church every Sunday, we prayed every night, all the things that we should do. I prayed to God about an accident to have it stopped, it didn't. So I stopped believing that God wanted to rescue me. I didn't believe that he wasn't a good God. I didn't believe that he didn't um, care. I just felt that he didn't feel like I needed to be rescued. So. That's when it started that I separated from God at the age of nine and a half. Um, I still went to church and everything else. My mom had my sibling that was after my other sibling, my brother, my sister. And the first day she brought her home, she was a beautiful baby, very hairy, dark skin, very beautiful. And somehow just seeing that innocent child, that gave me the courage to tell my mother what was happening to me. Um, now later, much years later, I felt bad about it because I was like, she just brought home this newborn baby and now she had to find this out. And that changed the whole trajectory of all of our lives, especially my mother. Um, because I was told that if I said anything to anyone, even if it wasn't my mother, that they would kill my mother. So I was really afraid. But something that God broke in me when I saw my sister that gave me the courage to say something. And so I thank God for her always because she was the turnaround. So life changed it to, to some, some, some degree. Um, my grandmother, who I told you is, you know, she was the prayer warrior, deaconess and everything at the church. Because she wanted to save face, she said to me, you know, <clears throat> you have a court case coming up. You deny everything. You don't tell them anything. You tell them it didn't happen. You made it up. Now, again, I had already disconnected with God, and me looking up to her, that pushed me further away from God, because I was like, I know that's not right, even though I was at the time 11. So I did what was right. I told the truth, and, you know, she didn't speak to me for a while, but I was okay with that, because, I mean, I didn't live there. I just visited her. And um, so years, no, maybe like a year later, I was in Sunday school, and the teacher, the senior mistress, she asked me, oh, did this happen to you in front of all the students? And I just locked up. I didn't say anything. I told my mom I didn't want to come back to church. And, you know, she didn't know any better. She told me, okay, you don't have to. So that moved me further away from God. Years later, I started, you know, doing things that 
is a side effect of what happened to me, not knowing better, thinking I'm in control of my life, not knowing that the enemy had me bound, that I was being lied to. You know, I had two addictions. It wasn't um, drugs or um, gambling or drinking or any of that. And so I allowed those things to take over my life, thinking I was still in control. When I got, like, 18 years later, I had not been in church other than weddings and funerals, so I really was out of touch with God and the things of God. But something happened again in my life, and I realized that I needed to rekindle our relationship. So every Sunday, I would turn on the radio, listen to Christian music. It started with just doing that once a week. Then it started me watching Christian television, and then I went into, you know what, I need to go to church. I started doing that, and every Sunday I would go to church. I couldn't find a church that worked for me. Like, even though I wasn't saved, I could feel if, okay, this church doesn't seem to really represent God or the choir is singing, I can tell that something's off. So I felt like, you know what, after a couple months, I gave up on that and I said, well, Lord, I tried. Um, it's not for me. So years later now, I um, started thinking again about giving my life to Christ and stuff. I had met my husband. He was just a friend at the time, and he started to share with me about Jesus and how important it is and stuff, and I was gleaning from him even though we were just friends. And then um, I was going through the parking lot. We had a five-level parking lot, and I was at the bottom. It was like 2 a.m. in the morning. There's never anybody around, because most people get off 3 a.m., 12 a.m., like that. So I was just walking, minding my business, and I heard someone say, what would, what would happen if someone come and shoot you right now, and you died, where would you go? So your mind works really fast. So in that probably a couple seconds, I knew it was the Lord. I knew where I would go, and I was thinking, why is he talking to me? All these things in like a couple seconds. So I just answered, and I said, to hell. So I like to be honest, and I mean, it's the reality. That's where I would have gone. So he said, well, you need to do something about it. You know what you need to do. So I said, yes, Lord. And I continued walking. I went home, thought about what it means, and um, a week later, I called my best friend, Axel, what does she think of this? Um, because she was in and out of you know, being saved or not saved and just all over the place, but I figured she would know. So she told me, you know, you don't have to wait till you go to church. You can pray, ask God to forgive you, repent, and when you're ready, you know, and then you want to, you can go in front and declare in front of everybody that you gave your life. So thought about it. It was New Year's Eve. Um, I felt him pulling on me to give my life, but I still wasn't ready, so I didn't do it. And a couple of days later, I did. I gave my life to him, and he has changed so much things about me, like, you know, the things that had me bound, that's no longer an issue. Um, he's used me in so many ways to tell people about Jesus, to um, stand up for things that are right, and just to be another um, beacon of light in this world as all of us are expected to be. I've seen him, um, I started out with just a small amount of faith. I'll go to the grocery store and ask him to have a parking lot close to the door. You know, small things like that and he would continue to be faithful. And so I got more bold with what I asked of him, not for me anymore, but for other people. I would pray for people to be delivered, people to be healed, people who had things going on for years like asthma and allergies and stuff like that, he would deliver them. I saw him, I watched him deliver my children from things like migraine and allergies and things of that nature, and even from um, anything I praise him about. And so I just want to tell all of us, remind us that he is faithful, and 
No matter what your past looked like, he can clean you up. He brings beauty out of ashes all the time. Um, he's still the same God. Um, there's nothing too hard for him to deliver you from. And I just want to thank him for all the things he's done. Because of him, my life has completely turned for the better. And I just, I'm just grateful for who he is in my life and what he's done. <laughs> 